0: Hello, and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education at Monash University. Here we talk with researchers in and around the faculty about their current reading, writing, and thinking. So, welcome to the fourth recording in our series of Meet the Education Researcher podcasts. My name is Neil Selwyn. I work in the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. So, the aim of every interview is very simple. We're going to spend around 15 minutes getting to know what researchers in and around the faculty are currently up to. So today I'm joined by Andrea Roypert, an Associate Professor in the Faculty. Good afternoon, Angela.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Very good, very good, thanks. Well, thanks ever so much for doing this. Now, literally three minutes before we started, I set you a challenge to write your current research biography in 140 characters or less. And you described yourself very straightforwardly as working in the area of mental health and well-being of families. So my first question always is, can you explain to me what that means?
1: Okay, so um, my research focus, I suppose, is um, how do we promote um, the mental health and well-being of young people and the families that they live in? Um, How do we prevent mental health issues from happening? And then how do we treat any sort of mental health concerns that might arise in either young people and or their parents or other family members?
0: So that sounds a very kind of practical approach. You've talked about preventing and treating. In terms of working with theory, what's the kind of theoretical basis of it?
1: It's very much an ecological approach. So um, it might come as a surprise to some people. But as a psychologist, I don't just look at the individual. I try to look at the influences around that individual. So a much more contextual point of view. And look at if someone has a mental health concern, how that impacts on other family members, but then conversely the other way. So that how family members might impact on the mental health of the one person as well. But also looking at it um, in a more systematic way in terms of, well, how do agencies best respond? How can schools best support and promote well-being of um, different population
0: groups? So it's really interesting you mentioned schools at the very end of that answer. You're working in the Faculty of Education. I know, and one of the things that I'm always convinced is that faculties of education are full of people who don't feel like they're education researchers. I mean, are you, you're a, are you a psychologist who works in education faculty? My,
1: my background was as a school psychologist. So, and that was a job I just loved. Um, um, and it was something that I felt really passionate about. And I suppose I've, I've taken that passion now to a different level in that I'm trying to raise the capacity of other people to work in schools, to look at how we care for young people in a variety of systems. So, if I look at it that holistically, schools has got to be one part of the jigsaw, but only one part.
0: Right, so every academic you meet tells you that they're working incredibly hard and they're rushed off their feet, but I'm really interested. What are you actually working on? And in particular, what, what's keeping you busy research-wise?
1: Yes, so the thing I'm most excited about and I'm really busy with at the minute, we're developing an online intervention program for young people aged 16 to 25 who uh, live with or um, have lived with a parent with a mental illness. So what we've done is we've asked young people in a Delphi study what is what is it that you want in an online intervention and how do you want it to be um, facilitated. We've also looked at, um, we've interviewed a whole heap of managers and people who might facilitate it to say what could be some of the issues in this, how could you embed this in your work. What I've done now is I've just finished off working with an IT company and we've got this platform ready to go. I'm writing a manual um, for facilitators to use. We'll be trialling it, we'll be training students um, from the Krongold Clinic, so masters of psychology students will be trained in how to use the intervention and then we'll do a pilot Quasi experimental evaluation design for the rest of the year.
0: So you've made that sound really straightforward and simple. <laughs> but even the phrase "we've been working with an IT company to develop a platform." I, I know. mean, can you talk us through the actual realities of doing that? Because I know from personal experience yeah. that that can be quite tricky.
1: It was very tricky because we were doing that at the same time as I, I'm, I work in a steering committee with um, practitioners and another researcher and some young people as well with lived experience, and the IT company who would just say, "Just tell us what you want." <laughs> And then they would come up with 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 a different platforms and functions but it would change and and it still isn't I don't think finished after we trial it in um the later on in the year we'll still need to change it as yeah. well. Yeah. I so, mean
0: developers always talk about everything being in a beta state so it's yeah. never finished it's no. always kind of yeah so it's really interesting for researchers to work with those other groups as well. Well, I mean, that sounds really, really complex. So what, the other thing I'm really interested in is have you got anything exciting coming up that's not necessarily about research projects, but is about research, so bids or proposals or just upcoming conferences?
1: One thing that I'm really excited about, and I'm really excited to see not just the outcomes but the process. So I was—I got this phone call a few months ago from somebody from Vienna, and I thought, oh, this, is, this is really dodgy. But what the Austrian government have done is they, and this is a very simplistic way of describing what they've done, but they've certainly surveyed their population, the people in Austria, to say, what's important in terms of research? Where do you think we should be putting our research dollars? People came back and said, young people's mental health. They drilled it down and said, we want to prevent mental illness and distress in young people. And then they drilled it down even further to look at what does this mean in families? So what this research institute in Vienna are going to do is um, have an ideas lab. I've been asked to be a mentor, so I'm really honoured to do this, but they've employed a company from the UK who are going to facilitate this five-day ideas lab. We've already done some screening across the world of early career researchers who want to work in this space and it's interdisciplinary. So there are people from theatre studies, there are people from psychology, psychiatry, all the traditional ones, but a range of different disciplines, IT, genetics, and so on. Um, And we'll come together. There'll be five mentors, there's about 35 or so early career researchers to look at what are the big problems, the wicked problems in this area, and then What needs to be done? What information do we need? So, So,
0: that sounds an absolutely amazing thing to be involved in. And also, anyone listening to this is going to think, well, how lucky is she getting a phone call out of the blue from Fiona? But I guess that is not just out of the blue. No. How did you get to the stage where you're being invited to do something like that?
1: Well, I don't know. Well, I do know. I was going to say, I don't know how they identified me, but I do know. So, last year, I published a book, Parental Psychiatric Disorder, and it won a prize, the British Psychiatry Prize. And that created a big for in Europe, not so much in Australia but certainly in Europe and that lif- lifted my profile.
0: Yeah, so it's amazing how the things that you're invited to do come from about 10 steps yeah. backwards and it's yeah. doing those like kind of little things or agreeing to write a book when you really haven't got time that kind of propels you forward.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: So I mean what conferences have you got coming up this year? Where do you normally go in your academic cycle?
1: Okay, so the other thing that I'm doing this year is uh, Prado. So Monash has a conference centre in Prado, Italy and we every year every two years have a research meeting of um, 40 or so um, people across the world, and we, we it's not, I don't call it a conference, it's a round table, and again, we look at what we can work on together. So cross countries, not so much across disciplines, although there are uh, other people there besides psychologists. Um, But really, how can we make an impact? How can we advance the field further and really make a difference to young people's lives?
0: So that's an opportunity that I guess Monash has in terms of holding seminars and conferences off-site. Um, So in Italy, I guess is a way of drawing in Europeans as well. Italy
1: was perfect because we've been talked about. We talked about doing this for years with the Americans or North Americans and the. Europeans, and um, we kept inviting them to Australia. They came once to a conference, and then never, think, again. Uh, never again. And never again because <laughs> it was so long, the flight. But um, when, just in in casual conversation, we mentioned that there was a conference center in Italy, suddenly everybody was very interested, and they continue to be interested. So this is the third time we're meeting. So
0: maybe we should move Monash to Italy. There you Lock, go. Stock and barrel. There you go. So I'm really interested in what people read. I wanted to know what you've been reading at the moment, but I know you've just come back off vacation.
1: So, yes, I've just come back from four weeks overseas and sitting on a beach. But so I I, I love fiction and I love reading and I have to read every day. It's just part of mm. my routine. But one of the books that I adored um, while I was away was The Course of Love by Alan de, de ponty
0: th- Alain de Botton. De there you go. <laughs>
1: but it's it's just a wonderful book so he starts with the premise that most books finish at a marriage or a partnership and that the book is about the um you know the couple or whatever getting together this book starts with the marriage and then goes through the course of love. But what I really liked about the book was that he wove through um, philosophy. So he raises questions around, is it really wrong to have an affair? But then he, he shows that through the couple and the implications of that. But then he also looks at psychology, like he looks at attachment theory, which is really close to my heart. And he looks at, well, why do... Why did the couple have patterns that they do? So the, the, the man in the couple was a sulker. So he has this whole theory about why people sulk in relationships, why they don't talk to each other, particularly to people closest to them in their lives. So I, I loved it for the fiction, but I loved it for the overlay in, in terms of um, some of that more intellectual stuff.
0: Yeah, and it's also the sort of counterintuitiveness of starting at a point where no one else would have thought starting.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly.
0: So it's really. I'm also really interested about how I get inspired perhaps most by stuff that's not academic. So I'll often just hear things or see things on telly and that sparks a thought that yeah. gets you, as you say, engaging with your intellectual or, work differently.
1: Or you get feedback from your own children as teenagers <laughs> or from other people who you who don't know you from work who say different things about what's happening in their own lives. Or yeah, whatever.
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just keeping your eyes and ears open, isn't that's it? That's right. So I mean, that's reading. I'm presuming you didn't do any writing on holiday, no. but I mean, what's the kind of writing project at the moment? Okay.
1: So the writing I'm doing at the minute, so again, it's with the um, the online intervention, my spot. I'm writing, um, along with my team, a randomised control trial protocol. So a proto- the protocol is basically saying, this is what we will do in a randomised control trial for next year. Um... I've only been involved in one previously as a team member, but this is the one I'm going to lead. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very challenging for me, but I'm keen to do it, to not just register the trial, but also to show them when I go for funding next year for an NHMRC, hopefully the protocol will be published. I can say, this is the trial that I want to run and I want funding for, and it's already been published in a prestigious yeah, medical yeah. journal. So, so you,
0: you mentioned the NMNRC, what's
1: that? NHMRC. So it's a medical research um, council fund that's national that looks at tri- uh, p- um, funding interventions, mm. medical as well as mental health so and so a, on.
0: So as someone working in a faculty of education, how do you make yourself kind of medically credible to apply for those sorts of funds? That's
1: a very good question. Um, So I not only work in the Faculty of Education, I also work in the Krongol Clinic. So it's a clinic that is um, ideal for trialling different interventions. I I also think that being an educational psychologist has real merit because educational psychology directly feeds into this sort of work. And I work with a team of other people as well. who who have.
0: So it's having those interdisciplinary networks, but also being confident about what you as an education person can bring. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I guess... That stuff that you're doing at the moment. I'm also really interested in kind of where you're thinking. I mean, what's cooking? What's kind of in the back of your mind that you might want to be doing?
1: So I've just applied for OSP for next year. So, so sabbatical uh, is that outside study program? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's anyway, what it stands time for. Time off sabbatical. It's not time off. I've had it before, and I actually found it previously stressful because you set yourself up with all these tasks, and um, and then the pressure's on to deliver. Mm. But so anyway, I've I've applied for sabbatical for next year, and I've also secured a book contract where I'll be writing um, a book around mental health in schools. So the basic premise of the book is that when you talk to many teachers and teachers will say, I'm not a social worker, I'm not a psychologist, my job is to teach. Um, And everything else around welfare and student mental health and wellbeing tends to be seen as an add-on rather than as something that's core and intrinsic to their work. And so the book is trying to situate itself with how do we make mental health and well-being of young people and schools generally teachers, principals, other school staff, part and parcel of what we do as, as teachers and as educational people.
0: So again, you made that sound very simple. I've just secured a book contract. But I mean, uh, just to one kind of demystify that, again, for people listening, how did you go about that? How did you pitch it to the publishers? What did they actually kind of push you into doing?
1: That actually came to me. So it's part of a series around um, school health, physical health, mental health and so on. And I was asked to, I was actually asked to write it this year and I just didn't have the capacity to do that. So I've negotiated for next year. Again, does that
0: come from the prize, do you think? Where's all these, these offers yeah, from.
1: it's it actually, I think it came from, I've been doing some work, some New Zealand people, some academics. And I was then asked to, and they said, because my my main research area is mental health and wellbeing. And I don't think people remember that I was a school psych. Somebody said, oh, we're looking for a PhD examiner. It's in this area. Would you know anybody? And I said, and it was around school, mental health and wellbeing. And I said, well, I, I could do that. And they Anyway, so I, I, I assessed it, a little bit different in New Zealand than in Australia, so I actually had to do an oral report mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, and then the person who asked me to do that is actually doing a variety of different books as the sort of um, overall editor, but asked me to commission me. So the moral of the story is
0: always say yes when you're asked to do work. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I guess finally, I've always got an eye on the future and I'm kind of panicking about what's going to happen to faculties of education where education research is going. Have you got any decent insights, any kind of clue as to what we're going to be doing in 20 years time? Any big issues that we should be bracing ourselves for or things we should be getting excited about? I don't know.
1: I think everybody has an opinion about schools because everybody went to school. But the problem is they went to school often 20, 30 years ago, and they're basing their opinions on that. So I think what we need to do is is really work with school with with the community in making our research very accessible making it understandable but also not not hiding behind the complexities of it as well Mm. Um, for years I've had a dream of doing a a book, a coffee table book that's called What's Wrong in Schools Today and then in, in smaller print and what's right and having every chapter about a different controversial issue around schools so public private schools or classroom management or inclusive ed or whatever and and Writing it in a way that um, is accessible but also complicated, so actually draws out the debate and, and documents the different data. So in future, I think education we need to we need to raise the platform education as a legitimate area, scientific area if you like, or research area. So people might have an opinion, but they they also need to see that educationalists have perhaps a valid opinion that needs to be taken into yeah, account. Yeah,
0: and one of our jobs is to actually raise the level of kind of a public understanding of education.
1: And that discourse around that, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well,
0: yeah. thanks ever so much. It's been really, really interesting.
1: Thank you.